Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. One of the greatest challenges that people face is the struggle of us being a divine being having a physical experience. The outcome of us being primarily a divine being having a physical experience and not being a physical being having a divine experience is in the different layers of the journey from our spiritual inspirations to our physical successes. Were we to be physical beings having a divine experience, it would have been far more natural and easy to walk the practical action part of the journey to success. How the, however, the reality, as we each know, is that we start with spiritual stirrings in our soul and metaphysical inspirations within the theater of our mind. Many then get lost in these two non-practical and non-action legs of the journey to success, never walking the road to actual success. The reason for this is precisely because we are divine beings having a physical experience. And, therefore, the starting point of our journey to success is on a very spiritual plane, within the properties of our souls. And from there, we must walk through the processing of our spiritual properties into our physical actions in order to acquire actual success. This lecture is going to take us into the core omnipotence of our souls and bring us through the most powerful properties of our souls, to which success is but a natural course of events. Then we are going to explore the necessary processing that must take place from our divine beingness into our physical experiences in order to create actual physical success. The Jewish mind has a specific approach of how to deal with modern issues that we experience in our lives. Like the divine being having a physical experience process, the Jewish mind begins with them sorry, the Jewish mind begins from the divine perspective. More precisely, the Jewish mind always begins with how the issue exists in God's relationship with the world. And from there, we at the Jewish mind will then bring forth its practical implications in our physical experiences. The reason for this approach is based upon two biblical teachings. A. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And the second teaching is, just as the Holy One, blessed be He, fills the entire world, so does the soul fill the entire body. What we see from these two teachings is that A. Our souls in themselves are a reflection of the image and likeness of God. And that B. The way our souls relates and works with our bodies is a reflection of how God relates and works with the world. Thus, by exploring the mystical teachings upon the image of God and the way God created and relates to the world, we will unlock how to have our souls successfully work our physical experiences here on earth. Note, I want to make a distinction that while we are reflecting upon the wording of the verse in Genesis about God creating man in the image of God, 
God clearly has no image. This topic has been discussed in previous classes. However, I want to just reiterate here that God has no image or form, and to prescribe any image or form to God is according to Jewish law to commit idolatry. Let's go back. These mystical teachings are based upon our Torah portion study of the splitting of the Sea of Reeds. The story is how Pharaoh leads his army into a pursuit of the Jewish people in order to bring the Jewish people back into slavery. The Jewish people were trapped in between the sea and the Egyptian army. God commanded Moses to lead the Jewish people into the sea, and the sea split for the Jewish people. Pharaoh led his army in hot pursuit into the split sea, and God returned the sea to its original state of strength, and the Egyptian army were drowned in the sea. I believe that the reason why these mystical teachings of the evolution process from the divine properties to their physical applications are taught upon the story of the splitting of the Sea of Reeds is because of a specific terminology of our sages. When the sages speak of something that is difficult, they say, as difficult as the splitting of the Sea of Reeds. For example, when the sages speak of how difficult it is, so to speak, for God to bring together soulmates in a second marriage, the sages say, quote, it is as difficult to pair pairs as the splitting of the sea of reeds. This notion of being difficult doesn't exist for God, and thus I believe that what is meant here is the process of evolution from the divine source to the physical experience. Let us now begin to explore how our topic exists in God's relationship with the world, the way God fills the entire world. One of the core fundaments of Kabbalah and Hasidus is that prior to creation there existed God and His infinite light. Um, infinite light is also referred to as God's name, ineffable tetragrammaton. Thus, there is the essence of God and the light of God. Whenever we speak of any descriptions, layers, or levels, we are speaking only of the light of God. For within the essence of God, there is nothing at all that could be said. There is a story of a famous brilliant scholarly chassid who lived in Israel in the 1940s by the name of Rabbi Moshe Gorari. There was also a friend of Rabbi Moshe, whose name eludes me at the moment, who was a scholar as well, but with an additional touch of humor. The humorous chassid came to Rabbi Moshe and said, I need some Hasidic teaching to meditate upon in my prayer, so can you please tell me something about the essence of God? Knowing of his friend's humorous ways, Rabbi Moshe shied away from responding. However, his friend would not let up. Finally, just in order to be able to get started with his own prayers, Rabbi Moshe obliged to his friend. However, the minute Rabbi Moshe began to say something about the essence of God, his friend gave Rabbi Moshe a soft slap. Rabbi Moshe, puzzled, asked his friend for the reason to the slap, to which his friend responded, Moshe, don't you see? The minute you start talking and explaining, it can't be about the essence of God. Thus, all of the descriptive teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus are all about the light of God, known as the infinite light, and we are never talking about the essence of God. So too it is with our souls. Many of you have definitely heard of what is called in Yiddish der pintele yid, or in Spanish chispa de judio. What we are talking about is the essence of the soul, which in the words of our sages is 
truly a piece of God and is also described as the spark of creator became creation. Just thus, just as we find no descriptions of the essence of God, so too in the teachings we find no descriptive teachings of the essence of the soul. Thus all the descriptive teachings about the soul and its properties are speaking of the properties that shine forth of the essence of the soul, such as the power of pleasure, will, the three intellectual faculties, the seven emotional faculties, and the three garments of thought, speech, and actions. These are all properties of the light of the soul, which come forth from, but do not define, the essence of the soul. What this practically means to each and every one of us is that regardless of what we do or don't do with the light of our souls, we can never affect the essence of our souls. And thus, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew and can always return to his or her Jewishness regardless of how far he or she previously traveled from their Jewishness. However, on the other hand, just as the work of the light of the soul cannot affect the essence of the soul, so too we now have the struggle of bringing the omnipotent powers of the essence of the soul into the light of the soul, which is the struggle we presented at the start of the lecture of bringing our divine beingness into our physical experiences. So let us again return to how it exists in God's relationship to the world. When Kabbalah Excuse me, I'm sorry. When Kabbalah and Hasidus speak of the infinite light, they call it Or Ein Sof, which literally means light to no end. We translate this as the infinite light. However, the precise wording is light to no end. Thus, the question is asked, why are we referring to God's light as light to no end instead of calling it light with no beginning? To appreciate this question, Kabbalah and Hasidus explain that there are creations that were created to have no end. However, only God has no beginning. Thus, when we want to point out the enormous difference between creator and creation, we should emphasize that it is the light with no beginning. A very important point is going to be made for us now in our practical exploration. The light of God is not referring to being within the essence of God, but outside of the essence of God. Thus, the reason why creation and its orderly process, which develops into the nature of the world, comes from the light is precisely because the light is already in the process of descent and not within the essence. Thus, it can be constructively organized. This is why the Infinite light cannot be called has no beginning because it does have a beginning, which is when it comes forth from the essence of God. Okay, I told you there was going to be a practical important point. So let's make this practical. In order for me to make this practical, I need to introduce another concept. Kabbalah and Hasidus divide the potency from the light. Two different things. There's the potency and the revelation, the light. What this means is that the capacity to illuminate or not to illuminate exists as one potency within the essence of God. However, the actual illumination, the light, and the void of the illumination, darkness, exist as two properties outside of the essence. Bear with me, 
it's going to become very understood and very practical. So I am making two distinctions between God's capacity to illuminate and the infinite light itself. A. The capacity of illumination is within the essence, while the infinite light is outside of the essence. The capacity, the second point I'm making is, the capacity to illuminate or not to illuminate is one capacity, while the light and the darkness are two. Now, I, again, I want to just put in, parenthetically speaking, there's no such thing as outside of the essence. What I'm talking about is it's a layer which is not part and parcel of the omnipotence of the essence. Rather, God gives forth just an infinite light. Now let's get practical about this teaching. Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak of Lubavitch once bemoaned how today people are more focused on erken learning. That's in Yiddish. It means he can learn Torah. While in the olden days the focus was on he does learn Torah. The difference between can learn or does learn. The point here being the difference between can you or do you. However, our first our focus will be on where in our soul the can versus the want exists. What the mystical two teachings have taught us is that there is a huge difference in where the potency is to where the will is. In Kabbalah we define the name of God to mean both God's power of will and the infinite light. Thus there is God, the essence of God, there is the name of God, the infinite light, the power of will. Thus the mystical teachings are telling us that the focus of our potency, the I can, engages the omnipotence of the essence of the soul. However, the potency within the essence is disconnected from the outer properties of our soul, such as our power of will and of our actions in our physical experience. Thus, the struggle is to connect our potency within the essence of I can and with the power of will of the light of the soul. Only then can we bring the powers of our divine beingness into our physical experiences and walk the road to actual success. This too brings us back to the mystical secrets of the splitting of the sea. Humans are land creatures living separated from living within the earth from which we were created. This refers to exper physical experience in which the self-identity of our divine beingness is separated and hidden from our conscious. The sea represents the sea creatures who live within and are part and parcel of the waters from which they were created. God splitting the sea and having us land creatures safely walk into the sea domain, revealing to us what lie hidden from our physical conscious experiences is precisely the act of connecting our divine beingness with our physical experience. This is also why Kabbalah and Hasidus explain that our crossing through the splitting of the sea was the necessary mikvah, that's the ritual immersion into a ritual bath, experience for conversion before we could stand at Mount Sinai and receive from God the Torah. Receiving the Torah and its commandments, studying Torah and observing God's commandments is to be living our physical experience 
as divine beings. For this, we had to first connect our physical experience with our divine being. And this is what crossing through the splitting of the sea was all about. Now we can understand why the sages use the word difficult concerning the splitting of the sea. The Talmud tells of a sage having a dream of an elephant passing through the eye of a needle. Now I challenge each of you to take a moment and create this vision in your imagination. Okay? Inevitably, you are forced to either shrink the elephant or to enlarge the eye of a needle in your imagination. The difficulty of having land creatures safely crossing through and connecting with the sea domain is precisely having the elephant, our divine beingness, remain the size of an elephant, the size of the eye of a needle, our physical experiences, remain the size of an eye of a needle, and to have the elephant fit into the eye of a needle. That is why the sages refer to the splitting of the sea as difficult. This, my friends, is the first step of the process of walking the road to actual success. Let us recap for a moment exactly what the first step of the process of walking the actual road of success is. A. To clearly understand that what we can accomplish and what we will accomplish has no relationship to each other and often don't even know or communicate with each other. Wow. B. Understanding this tells us that we must leave the safety and the omnipotence of being within the essence of our souls and to bravely venture out into the light properties of our souls. This means that we must vulnerably create a definite, total, self-encompassing want to have actual success. I want to make a note here. I want to explain my usage of the word safety for our potency and vulnerably for our wanting. When we live within the safety of the essence of our soul, within our omnipotence of whether to be successful or not to be successful, we are in no danger of being let down or betrayed by ourselves. However, once we allow ourselves to feel a true want and hunger, and we let this want and hunger dominate our mind, heart, and body, we are vulnerable to being let down and betrayed by ourselves in experiencing failure. It is precisely this fear of vulnerability that keeps us from walking the road to actual success. And this, my friends, is the first step to actual success. We are going to need to explore some more mystical teachings in order to understand the second step of the process of walking the road to actual success. Jewish mysticism emphasizes that in the potency the to illuminate and not to illuminate are not separate potencies but one and the same potency. Why is this important for us to know about the potency of the essence of our souls? Additionally, Kabbalah and Hasidus then emphasize to us that within the infinite light there are two separate properties. One property of the infinite light is that it is, and I quote, above above to no finish, which is the infinite light's manifestation of to not illuminate, as it soars above above into becoming more and more elusive. 
The second property of the infinite light is below below to no end, which is the infinite light's manifestation of to illuminate, as it shines and reveals itself lower and lower even into the physical world of spiritual darkness. Okay, why is it important for us to know this about the infinite light of the soul's properties? By telling us that within the essence, the potency, the to illuminate and not to illuminate is one, Kabbalah and Hasidis are revealing to us that in the essence of God all exists in oneness and that there is no definite description of value, success, failure. There is no definite description of value. Only when we step out of the essence of God and we enter into the duality of the infinite light can there be a right and a left and a good and an evil. Now this is so much so that our sages teach us in Genesis that when the verse says, and God saw the light that it was good, we are to put a pause between the word light and the words that it was good. Thus, we are to read, and God saw the light, pause. And we still do not know which it is that God desires, light or darkness, the actions of the righteous or the actions of the wicked. Then, as we read further and see that God says that it was good, only now do we know that God has freely chosen light over darkness and goodness over evil. Again, I want to make a note. I understand that it is so difficult for us to fathom that God could have as easily chosen darkness over light and evil over goodness. However, this is precisely because we experience the duality of the infinite light and not the oneness of the essence. To us, there is a war between Satan and God, so to speak, and each has a definite, definitive description in which God is good and the Satan is evil. However, when we realize that there is no Satan other than the Satan being an angel created by God for a specific mission, serving God, then we enter into a oneness between God and the Satan. This definitely needs more explanation. However, it is beyond the scope of this lecture. Let us move on. What is important for us to understand so that we may actually walk the road to actual success is that in anthropomorphism terms, this oneness of the potency within the essence of our souls can translate itself into complacency. We're where we are okay with whatever happens, whether we will become successful or not. Just as in the essence, both light and darkness are equally okay. For in the essence, all are the oneness of God. Wow! So this great concept of oneness can translate itself in our physical experiences as complacency. So what? I won't be successful. Thus, in the final analysis, the power of will of our souls depends upon us not being equally okay and not complacent about what we do want and what we do not want. If somewhere deep within us there remains a complacency that is willing to accept failure, then we are not able to experience our omnipotence of the essence of our souls being driven into the infinite light properties of our souls. The essence does not breathe in uncertainty or in a dualism of wants and desires. There needs to be a total oneness, meaning a 100% of I want this, 
which can only exist with an equal 100% of, I do not want the absence of this. Wow. This is the only way to experience our divine beingness in our physical experiences. With the infinite light of our soul's power of will, with absolute certainty in only one of the two dimensions of the infinite light's properties. This is step two of the process of walking the road to actual success. We need to separate the okayness with whether to be or not to be successful. We need to completely embrace that there is a dualism. To be successful is not to be not successful. And at some point we must freely choose that I want to be successful, which needs the equal commitment of I do not want the absence of success. And yet another mystical insight before we conclude with the third and final step of the process of walking the road to actual success. This infinite light above above to no end and below below to no finish. That is the quote of in Kabbalah, the name of the infinite light. Or in Sof, Maila Maila Aden Ketz, Mata Mata Aden Tachlis. Is the hidden treasure of the King, God, which the King gives over specifically to the foot soldiers in order for them to win the King's war. I'm going to repeat this. This infinite light above above to no end and below below to no finish is the hidden treasure of the King, God, which the King gives over specifically to the foot soldiers in order for them to win the King's war. This secret of the hidden treasure of the King is the teaching of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch, which he prepared and gave to distribute to be studied on the Shabbat the tenth day of the Jewish calendar month of Shabbat in the year 1950. My friends, in the early morning hours of that Shabbat day in Brooklyn, New York, 1950, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Lubavitch returned his pure, holy, and saintly soul to our Father in Heaven. In 1951, the Rebbe of Holy and Blessed Memory, upon accepting the mantle of leadership, made it crystal clear to us that this teaching of his father-in-law and predecessor was left to us as Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak's last will and testament as a directive to what our generation must accomplish. So let us understand in light of our lecture what this teaching means. A. There is the king's war, God's war, to be fought in this physical world of spiritual darkness, the war between to be successful or not to be successful as we're speaking about it here. B. The hidden treasure that God gives us in abundance in order to win this war is the great infinite light above above to no end and below below to no finish. C. The king does not give this hidden treasure to the great scholars, generals, and philosophers of war, but to the foot soldiers on the front lines actually fighting the war. By understanding these three ideas, we will understand the final and in a way most pertinent step of the process to walking the road to actual success. Even though I explained earlier that the infinite light above above to no end and below below to no finish is outside the essence, nevertheless we are speaking of the first point of the infinite light which touches the essence and in itself has only goodness. At this point of the infinite light, 
the to not illuminate is not darkness, but rather is the upward yearning of its source to its source, the essence, and it is defined as above above to no end. There is no king's war taking place here. This is all beautiful and goodness and oneness. The war begins only after the myriads of contractions, concealments, and the evolution of the above above to no end, to the point of total perversion and its creation of darkness and evil manifested in the lower world and especially in the physical world of spiritual darkness. This is where the king's war takes place. This is where the foot soldiers fight. And this is where God gives the hidden treasures of the greatness of the infinite light above above to no finish and below below to no end. The power of this hidden treasure is where both the above above and the below below of the infinite light are permeated with the essence and its omnipotence. However, the power of this hidden treasure of the king is only capable of being truly manifested in the actions of our physical experiences here in this physical world of spiritual darkness. Thus the, the third and final step is to act upon the power of will of our souls. Human history has proven over and over again and it does, as it does right here in this audience that one does not gradually slide from the omnipotence of the essence of our souls and the infinite power of will of our, the light of our souls into actions within our physical experiences. Between the higher dimensions of our soul and the actual actions of our physical experiences, there is an infinite void of separation. And there is only one bridge that crosses that infinite void of separation, which is the bridge of obedience of faith. To just simply do the next right thing. Obedience of faith simply means to not need to experience feelings of certainty, pleasure, and safety, nor is there the need to comprehend. Rather, all there is are actions driven by obedience based upon faith in God's unconditional goodness and unconditional love and protection over us. I tell you from my own personal experience and from my close to 25 years of experience as a rabbi, I, as well as others, have tried to cross the infinite void of separation with any other bridge possible other than the bridge of obedience of faith. And we are all here to tell you that there is absolutely no other bridge with which to cross the infinite void of separation between the omnipotence of our souls and the road to actual success. It is only when we begin to cross the bridge of obedience of faith as simple foot soldiers that we receive the hidden treasure from our king necessary to win the king's war and to receive the physical experiences of actual success in all areas of our lives. Wow. So there you go. That was step three. Actions. In closing, let us recap the three steps of the process of actual success. A. We are divine beings having physical experiences. This means that the essence of our souls are ultimate divine beings with absolute omnipotence. Step one of the process of actual success is to embrace this omnipotence of the essence of our souls, our divine beingness, 
and with this to embrace that we can and succeed and will succeed are not synonymous and they aren't even conscious of each other's existence. Wow, I want to repeat that. It's an important part of step one. Besides knowing of our omnipotence, we need to also embrace that can succeed and will succeed are not synonymous and they aren't even conscious of each other's existence. B, step two. However, the essence of our souls are in total oneness with whatever is, and therefore in our physical experiences we become complacent and okay with either success or failure. Thus we need to move from the omnipotence within the essence of our souls out to the power of will of the infinite light of our souls. In practical terms, we need to shift our paradigm out of from asking ourselves whether we can or we cannot be successful and into asking of ourselves, do we want to be successful? And is it absolutely unbearable to not be successful? We must therefore leave the safety of the omnipotence of the essence of our souls into the vulnerability of the hunger of the power of will of our souls. This is step two of the process of actual success. C. Lastly, we must see the infinite void of separation between even our hunger of the power of will of our souls and our actions in our physical experiences and that the only bridge upon which to cross this infinite void of separation is the bridge of obedience of faith. It is only upon this bridge of actions by obedience of faith that we receive the king's hidden treasure necessary for walking the road to actual success. Friends, Modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.